Welcome to the Authentic Creative Podcast, and today we are kicking off our mini-series within the Authentic Creative called Stay Curious. Stay Curious was inspired by my husband Jake and Mai's recent psilocybin mushroom journeys. So far, I've had two really amazing, incredible experiences along with my husband Jake Thornton. So before Jake and I talk about our experiences, today I'll be interviewing my dear friend Rachel Lynn Sebastian, who's actually been on The Authentic Creative before. Rachel was raised in the Protestant faith and has since embraced New Age New Thought spirituality, Soka Gakkai Buddhism, Kundalini Yoga, and the path of the plant medicine Shaw Woman. She brings together this diverse moral and theological background with her science of the mind, metaphysical training, her leading-edge mediumship work with the angels, and her certification in advanced theta healing Reiki, Kundalini Yoga, and Psychic Meditation in order to develop and deliver a holistic framework of well-being. Rachel spent 10 years as a world-touring recording artist and pro-vocalist in the music business. She's a clairaudient, clairsentient, and clairalien. Through these clair senses, she has developed the ability to connect psychically to the subconscious mind, plant medicine spirits, and any stream of consciousness on which she is focused. She teaches her advanced students levels of telepathy that enhance their ability to recognize the bigger picture of existence and maintain a sense of foundational peace even in the toughest feeling of time oh i'm so excited this is so exciting okay (laughs) (laughs) yes do you want to ground and run energy first so just giving yourself a deep breath giving yourself opportunities to sigh and drop in and just know you're safe and it's okay to be here in your body. It's okay to be present in this moment. It's okay to be whatever you're arriving with, all of it, all the fear and the frustration and the doubt and the worry and the joy and the expansion and the excitement. It's all allowed. Giving yourself the deepest breath you've given yourself all day. And just noticing that difference in quality between taking a breath and giving yourself a breath and feeling that breath going up and down the spine and out the crown. And just noticing your body, noticing where you feel resistance, noticing where you feel flow, just allowing yourself to just notice without any judgment. And if you notice any judgment, just giving the judgment some love and some space. Knowing that you're so enough, you've always been so enough. You're not too much, you're not too little, you're exactly as you need to be. You're perfect right here, just as you are, exactly as you are. And that even when you feel weak, you are strong. And even when you feel scared, you have courage. And everyone sees and knows your courage, especially you. Just giving yourself a sigh out loud and just letting yourself release 5% more. Just tapping into that space behind your third eye, the knowing, and knowing that it's safe to know what you know, and safe to be in your heart, and safe to feel your heart, and safe to share your heart, and you're allowed to be held by the love and support that is here between us, around us, within us. You're allowed to be supported by all of the masters, teachers, loved ones, guides, angels, 
and by yourself. And just connecting into the earth, to Mother Earth. Seeing that connection be as big and as wide as you want it to be. And letting it feel really, really good. Noticing any pain in the body. And just giving it space. Just giving it love. Noticing any grief and just giving it space. And just allowing it to be there. Allowing it to flow. And just knowing that whatever your experiences have been, they're beautiful and there's gold. Gold in every piece of your story, of your life, of your experiences, of who you are, of what you've expressed, of what you will be. And it's all happening right here now anyway. So I'm interested, I'm curious, what was your first knowing of psilocybin mushrooms, your first moment of transitioning from what is that, or I don't know about that, or yeah, I've always wanted to do that because of this. What was that first knowing? As you asked that question, I really had to go back following several different neural pathways. No, that wasn't my first. No, that wasn't my first. And I remember in San Diego, probably 20 years ago, uh, my first time connecting with the medicine was through a piece of chocolate at a summer boat lake party. And oh! <laughs> That's so amazing. It was absolutely sensational. I was shown by my friends who were very professional as far as their experience with the medicine that I needed to make sure that my vibration was high and that my my mood and my energy was high as the medicine would follow my mood and I would have that sort of experience. So it was perfect. Everybody was in a great mood. Everybody was on mushrooms. And I remember <laughs> hearing a dog walking on the sidewalk. It was so incredible how because it was my first experience in that altered state of mind, how everything made such a powerful imprint lasting over 20 years now Wow! Um, that I remember those clicks of the nails of the dog on the sidewalk and how extremely magnified and vibrant the individual leaves of these huge trees were. I remember my friend massaging my back and he was playing Dave Chappelle's block party. When he started to massage my back, I stopped and I said, how many people are massaging my back? And he mm. said, it's just me, babe. And I said, no, uh-uh. I was like, there's about eight hands on my back right now. And the whole group broke out into laughter just with the giggles mostly because they knew it was my first experience in this existing in this unique dimension you know from there it was we would say recreational for the next 10 years with friends until my first actual medicine experience which was about six years ago okay so is there anything because I don't want to skip over those recreational experiences was there anything else in 
those recreational experiences that's worth noting? I didn't have the understanding of the powerful healing potential of the medicine. Didn't certainly didn't create an intention, you know, before I connected with it, but also realizing now what a microdose is compared to a full flood, compared to like a heavier flood, realizing that in all of those recreational moments, I really was microdosing. Oh, interesting. So you reminded me of an instance where I had a full flood. Yeah, for the first time before I realized uh, the power of the medicine. And that was with a partner of mine. We had a group psilocybin intentional space journey together. Um, My friend, my partner said, oh, you just had a stem and a cap. You should probably have another one. And, you know, I really had never had that much before. I had never had it in that raw form before. I'd only really previously partaken with inside of chocolate. Mm -hmm. And it was very stereotypical first time full flood where I was in the bathroom in the middle of the night looking at the mirror and I must have been there for an hour yeah. uh, before my partner came in because I saw myself as this 70 year old woman mm. and I was so enthralled with her and I just kept speaking to her and my partner came in sincerely worried about me and I said I need to go downstairs he said that's the last place you'll be going thank you very much you're gonna <laughs> you're going to come back into bed. I said, no, I'm still talking to, you know, this version of myself. He's like, I understand we're going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) That mirror work that you were doing, I have yet to do. And when I've caught myself in the mirror, I just go, that's a whole world. And I can't right now. And I I was brave enough the second time to just give myself a little bit of love in the mirror before going back into the room with the shaman. I was like, oh, that's a whole world. I can't even start with that. So I'm just hearing how powerful that must have been for you. And I'm curious, like, do you remember any of the insights seeing yourself as the old woman, what that was or what that felt like? Yeah, I think, you know, your experience and and your acknowledgement and your just internal knowing that that's a whole rabbit hole and you making a powerful choice to save that for later and also just normalizing that experience it's very it's a very stereotypical plant medicine experience in general but especially for a psilocybin is to spend hours (laughs) looking in the mirror Um, yes, it evoked a feeling of honor, pride. I was able to really just make amends with my grandmother through seeing myself at that age and feel the wisdom, the stability, the maturity of that crone stage feel assured that I had been there before, right? Because while we're in this space, we're in this timeless, we're not only in this space that doesn't have the boundaries and the physical dense container of this earthly matter, because we're in because we can see the matrix, right? We can see the holographic state of the true nature of this particular reality. So along with that dissolves the feeling of time. And so inside of this 
timeless space with my elder crone self. It was making amends with aging. It was making amends with the aging process, with being able to see the beauty of my wrinkles, to see the profound invitation to grow old gracefully, and to really see the beauty inside of that face. You know, we talk about it so many times in Western civilization in the US, Canada, sometimes in Europe about the dehumanization of seniors, Mm. um, of our senior population of our elders, and not being seen, not being not being seen. That's exactly it. And and just being seen as a burden or being seen as um, a generation, let's say that doesn't really know that doesn't have a depth that doesn't have the sense of character that can really take in the truth of, let's say, humanity, the cosmos, you know, the etheric states. And really, that's a very ignorant point of perspective, as we all know, because the depth of philosophy, the depth of studying the cosmos, studying uh, life after death, studying the depth of the human heart and the nature of psychology are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And as you as we already know, we're just continuing to uncover things that were already uncovered so many thousands of years ago, but buried to then be rediscovered. So and like reappreciated. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the the microcosm of those thousands of years is a single lifetime of a senior and how, you know, we can be ignorant and say, well, you know, they, they just don't really know or they don't understand, but that's a fallacy. That's not true. It's just, is there a different language? Certainly. Is there a different way of communicating? Certainly. But there's no lack of understanding, no lack of depth, no lack of incredibly inspiring and powerful stories behind each human soul we see with hundreds of wrinkles on their body. Mm. Yeah, you're talking about just communing with souls. It's and the timelessness is applies to the human as well. It's just a soul. It's a soul that's been here before. Yeah. And and I see that you respect children in that way too and in the way that I hear you talk about them. So, the mirror work I am now excited to do. And I'm curious, have you I imagine had the experience of looking at other people and seeing them as their old self when you're yes yeah I definitely have had that experience also looking at other people seeing their true starseed origin or their alien origin and kind of this bizarre experience of almost unzipping their human suit and yeah having the truth of who they are express and reveal itself to me and then going oh oh, that's why we're connecting, you know, either we're from the same origin cosmically, or something about us is so similar that couldn't be pinpointed inside of human parameters. But that was revealed, you know, once we could really sense and feel the truest essence of our natures. There's so much information in our faces in the psilocybin journey that I'm discovering that again, that thing of like the first time I couldn't even barely and Jake couldn't even barely look at the shaman and it was just too much information or I couldn't even look at my husband, like his face. It was like too much information. But then the (laughs) second time, (laughs) 
the second time. I, I want was, you to say that to Jake when you're absolutely sober. I really can't look at your face right now. It's too much too information. Ma- yeah. Oh, he knows. And he saw me as an old woman. And But I'm getting into mm. my, my experience a lot here. So coming back. No, please, please. I, I mean, he's not here. Yeah, he saw me as an old woman. I just remember the faces in both experiences being very morphy and like morphing when I was able to look at faces, just morphing and seeing so many different personalities and aspects of this person more than I normally see. So I find that to be so interesting. So tell me what was that transition for you? What made you, what clicked for you that had you go from the recreational experience to now this is intentional work medicine? It was actually an ex-partner of mine. I was uh, practicing polyamory and he, well, he wasn't actually in recovery. He was an alcoholic, a full-blown addict, alcoholic. And he also had clinical PTSD from being a first responder in Katrina. Okay. And I remember him introducing all kinds of ideas and thoughts that for him, mushroom was his medicine, uh, that psilocybin was his medicine to counter the effects of PTSD to help him to heal. And he also is the one that introduced me to ayahuasca. I had never seen a shaman before then, or even been introduced to a shaman, let alone worked with one or had plant medicine facilitated to, to me. And his knowledge of the world of plant medicine opened me up to just exploring more. I explored whether there was a shaman in Seattle and I found a shaman that served San Pedro and um, Combo and I ended up getting him a Combo session for his birthday. And that's on a tangent. But my point is someone who was not in the plant medicine community, who was just really on a psychological and emotional healing journey was the one that introduced me to even the idea of plants being medicine. Okay. And so what was that first intentional experience like for you? Do you remember any of it? Interestingly enough, the first intentional experience I had was with my partner and we both had very powerful intentions of healing. You know, I had already been diagnosed with cancer at that time and was also healing from PTSD myself. And I didn't know it, but I was healing also healing from addiction and I but I wasn't aware at that time. Okay. Um, we both said a prayer together. We were just intentional about how we wanted to feel as a result of the ceremony. And I just really got clear in my mind what I wanted to feel and that I wanted to feel, you know, that much closer to him. That was the very ceremony that triggered the activation of my trance channeling gifts. Oh, so wow. I was... Uh, laying in bed and he had left the room I saw the light was going on and off and on and off but the interesting thing was the room stayed the same lightness so the room was the exact same lightness it was just the bulb that kept going black and and light black and light black and light okay um he came back in the room he, he laid down and I kind of fell into this deep trance state to just let we say, inside of um, these experiences is when when the medicine gets you drunk, right? So I had this drunk feeling where my eyes just kind of like rolled in the back of my head and it and the, where the medicine starts to take over in the most beautiful way, especially if you surrender willingly. And 
when I woke up from this trance-like state, there was an entity speaking directly to me. And they were speaking, the entity was speaking very, very fast. And I didn't realize who was in the room. I barely realized, you know, what room I was in. I spoke back to the entity and then the entity spoke back to me and they were speaking very, very fast. And then I spoke back and it was probably, goodness, five or 10 minutes before my partner said to me, stop talking so much. And what are you talking about? Mm. I said, wait, who's here? I said, who's talking? He said, you've been talking like crazy for the past 10 minutes. And I said, wait, what? And then at that point, the entities started talking directly to him. And then I sensed my own mouth moving. I said, holy shit. I didn't even say it out loud because they were still moving my mouth and talking to him. But in my mind, I was like, oh my God, somebody is talking through my voice and my mouth. You opened enough for that to come through could you see anything or was it all just just a feat like just a channeling it was just channeling but there was no space in between when they were talking and when i was responding when i was asking and when they were responding it was a complete if you were to hear a recording of it it's like a complete stream of consciousness where there was no breaks so no wonder he thought I was batshit crazy because i'm talking to myself but like at rapid speed right yeah do you remember or does he remember anything about what was coming through? Probably not, right? I had a notepad at the time. I was unsure of who these entities were and I wanted to make sure they felt honored. So I didn't want to automatically record their voices, but I did take a notepad down and I called them playfully the little rascals, I think is what I called them because they were so mischievous. They were playing with my emotional state. I'm just looking up. So that was in 2017. And I have everything they said right here on this notepad. Okay, they were playing with me so extensively with my emotional state. And they would say things to me like, Oh, your boyfriend's gonna break up with you in a month. And he doesn't want to be with you anyway. And I would just cry and cry and my emotional state would drop. And then I said, Are you serious? And they would say, we're just kidding. And then my emotional state would raise and I would feel relief. And then they would say something else devastating and I would drop and I would say, are you serious? They say, we're just kidding. Yeah. And so they took me on this roller coaster. They to, were triggering you. Mm -hmm. Yes, to help me unravel how wildly I was being affected, how wildly my life was being affected by my emotional state and my willingness to believe anything and everything that was given to me and from, you know, was presented to me as information and taking that as truth versus like actually taking the time to check in with myself. Right. Mm. But ultimately, <laughs> they said life is not relevant. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I have nothing to fear. The sensations are not my life. I am living that my life is my job. My job is my life. And mm. they kept saying that they're my friends, that there is no pain. pain. They're like, pain is not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> and, you could choose, and you could choose not to feel it. And they started talking about a girlfriend of mine that they wanted me to befriend. And they wanted me to drink more water. I started talking to them about cancer, which was interesting. Started talking to me about my partner. 
But at the end of the day, it was interesting because I wanted to know, you know, what are your names? Where are you from? What is your origin? I really found from that particular transmission that every entity that comes through from the divine realm or even from, you know, other planets and and galaxies, if you will, dimensions, they were named by us. It is the human mind that wants to categorize and name. Otherwise, when entities come through, if they have not yet been named by humans, they will say, we are what we are, or I am what I am. Because there is not that egoic state of needing to be known, needing to be remembered, needing to have a legacy. (laughs) Yes, needing to be associated with one thing or the other, you know, we are what we are. And Mm. certainly they'll answer questions like, are you more like Abraham? Or are you more like the angels or, you know, whatever that was just very powerful and interesting to me to even begin to feel into that non-egoic state. And beyond that, what I learned from them is that certain entities and groups of entities don't have the emotional capacity that we do. In fact, most don't. So what that looks Mm. like is they are pure intelligence without the capacity, they're not sentient beings, in other words, and they're not sentient. So they have the experience of us, they see us writhing in our skin, they sense us through their own observation, but because they don't judge our experience as wrong or right, you Mm. know, they could scare us batshit crazy. And it really doesn't matter to them. Mm. Because there's no judgment of that being something that's bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. versus when i decided after a while because i was tired of the you know emotional train they had taken me on roller coaster more likely and I said, when I was really frustrated one day and I was channeling, I said, I just want to connect with a group of entities and channel someone who is can connect with my feelings, can connect with the human experience that understands the human experience and that has compassion for me. You know, it's not just continually fucking with me. Yeah. And I just waited. I call, called in that frequency and within maybe five or 10 minutes, the entities came through and they said, we are here. We are your angels. Okay. And that began the angel dialogues? Correct. That began my journey with channeling the angels. Did not end my journey with Silas Ivan, certainly. So I'm curious, you got access to the angels through that psilocybin journey. And then did you have to continue? Did you feel you needed to continue? Do you still continue to interact with those entities when you're in, what do you call it, your journey or how do you refer to it when you're, yes, when, you're when you're on mushrooms or is right. it like, what now, was that? Yeah. What was that transition from like, I actually just do this when I'm not on a psilocybin journey? I was just so curious. I thought, well, do I have to have, you know, mushrooms? And as you know, many of your listeners know and understand if you have a full flood of any plant medicine, it does stay in your system and the spirit of the medicine is still very active and present as you integrate even days to follow. So I knew I could still connect with the energy and the essence of the spirit of the medicine regardless. And the next morning I I got curious and I was in my own room and I just closed my eyes and said, I invite you you to come back through me with love and for the highest and best good in the highest and best way. And I just focused on really releasing and relaxing, relaxing my mouth and my facial muscles and my mind and going into a theta brain state, which I had already practiced. By the way, I was already uh, an advanced state healer. So I already had a deep psychic levels of meditation behind me. And they came through, they certainly didn't come through as powerfully as when 
I was on the medicine, but they came through. And then, then I just started practicing anytime I was alone, even in the park, I'm sure. And while I was driving, I'm sure so many people thought it was either on a Bluetooth headset on the phone or talking to myself. So Rachel, was this, can I just ask you something? Yeah. Was this something that you knew that you wanted? Did you just surrender to it because, okay, it's here? Were you like, had, did you have resistance to it? Was there shame around it? I believe that all of us have certainly have the capacity. I know that I've been clairaudient my whole life, but I didn't understand that I was clairaudient until I received my trans channeling um, capabilities and when it was activated in that way. Then I started openly dialoguing about it. And I started to say, well, you know, I was talking to my grandma and I, you know, I was talking to Jesus and Jesus was always talking back to me, you know, as a kid. And I talked to my grandpa when he died and, you know, all these things started to come into remembrance of places that I've just known things and understood things and heard things and people telling me, God, it feels like you're reading my mind. So I was also tapping in then retroactively to the understanding and acknowledgement that I've always been telepathic as well. Yeah. So I had been listening to Abraham Hicks at that point for already Mm -hmm. 10 years. So did I understand and know about trans channeling? Yes. Did I absolutely admire Abraham Hicks and I listened to her almost every day? Yes. Did the part of me go, God, like that would be amazing. Yes. And I had felt several times this pressure on my throat chakra. I just got to that, the very edge of that place in a sober state. And I just never had the courage to really allow myself to step aside, Mm -hmm. Um, not knowing as many of my own students who I've taught to trans channel have shared is their own fears and doubts around being activated, not knowing who or what will come through and really not understanding that we are always and every time in control of entities communicating through us, that even though we're stepping aside, we're in a trance like state, when we set the energetic intention and the boundary of the frequencies that we are open and willing to channel, we very, we set a very high standard. We start to learn to differentiate the entities that are divine or are considered in alignment with the, you know, the creator space, the divine realm in that space where there's non-judgment and no ego versus other entities that are a little bit more mischievous. So mm-hmm. yes, like there's certainly was a level of fear before my Silas Eben journey. But after that, when I really started to understand as I shared that any entity that came through me really was an entity of love. There doesn't exist any entities that are not of love. There exist entities that are very mischievous that entertain themselves by, you know, dragging us through the mud, but they don't have the understanding of what that feels like to us. And therefore they don't have the access to the compassion that we would expect if we thought somebody loved and respected us. Do you feel like the ego death was what the psilocybin gave you and or and to activate that? Or had you had an ego death prior to that? Or was this the first time? I don't believe that this was an ego death for me in that particular journey. I experienced my first death experience in an ayahuasca journey. That's a whole, you know, obviously other episode of your podcast. But Mm -hmm. in this particular journey, I was in such a deep trance state. I didn't have nothing needed to change or transform because I was so I was just 
I wasn't there. Yeah. So in other words, there was nothing fighting. Like my ego wasn't active. That that part of my brain where the ego is active is active was deactivated. I wouldn't say it, it died, but it was deactivated. You were just completely for, for in surrender, in complete yes. surrender. Yeah. And I'm curious how you were able to allow yourself to get to that complete surrender. It was the medicine. And to be honest, that was the largest flood that I had ever experienced as far as the dosage of the medicine. I think I had two stems and two caps, but they were like rather large. And I have, you know, for those of you who know me, I have a pretty tiny frame. So is that like, was it like three grams or do you know? I truly don't have an idea about weight. I've never weighed. I've only just intuited what I was to take. Okay, got it. Do you have a system when you're using your intuition to how much? Yes, I look at, let's say I have like, a. I look at a group of mushrooms. So let's say I have like 15 or 20 mushrooms and I'll sense what I'm feeling drawn to. I'll sense what feels like a little bit scary, but doesn't feel wrong. It doesn't feel like I'm pushing myself. It's that feeling you get, right? When somebody says, hey, like, let's go jump off this short cliff. And even though you know it's not actually dangerous, there's this feeling of excitement around it and slight hesitation. So it's that feeling. Uh, and sometimes I honor when I don't feel like I need a, a larger dose and I'm wanting a more gentle experience. That's it. And then I'll touch it just to make sure, put it in my hand, whether it's one or two. I don't often take more than two, mm -hmm. meaning I, I don't weigh a lot and I have a very, very, very clean diet. I'll take it in my hand and I'll just pray over it. Oftentimes I'll smudge it with sage or palo santo. I'll ask the mushroom to take me on the exact perfect journey with the exact perfect amount of drunkenness that feels really healing, but also feels safe and loving. Yeah. Yeah. And do you dose for other people? No, I don't dose for other people. I teach my clients how to muscle test. Okay. And so, you know, obviously if I'm in my state, I'll have like something raw. If I am over state lines, I'll have pill form. And so, you know, we'll have them take like, let's say five or six pills in their hands. And do are you getting a yes? And they'll muscle test, i.e. they'll either lean forward or backwards. And then we go up until let's say they have 15 pills. Is this still a yes? And if it's a no, we go back down to 14 until we get a solid yes. And that's where um, we're meant to dose. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So where were we? We were talking about the first time that you had your intentional journey and the entities came through. That was the opening for the angel dialogues to start to happen for you. And then you still had the mushrooms in your system and were able to tap back in and rechannel the angels. And then from there, psilocybin is certainly one of my favorite medicines. It has been so profound for me. I, I always end up channeling. I very rarely channel the angels now when I channel. Instead, I'm either channeling the spirits of the medicine or oftentimes the medicine will connect with my subconscious mind. It will give voice to the voice 
voices in my head that before were just that, were just forms of ESP in my head that no longer serve me. So for instance, if I'm inside of a journey, it might in the past have brought up something that said, why did you do that? That's stupid. You're wrong for that. You keep doing things that mess people up or you know whatever negative voice it is. And then they show me that that's my own voice. It gives me, when it brings those negative thought patterns, limiting beliefs, whatever they're connecting to in my subconscious, when I hear it out loud, right? When I hear myself saying it to myself out loud in such an aggressive, hurtful way, and I actually experience the visceral feeling of how my inner being feels as a result of that voice being active, Mm. I then am in a state of choice, right? Now that it's brought to awareness, I'm in a state of choice of like, ooh, do I want that or do I not want that? And what they do is they take me through a state of deconstructing it. So I just feel the neural pathways. I get clicks and pops in my head. I have ever since I've been trans-channeling, I get clicks and pops in my head when my neural pathways are either disintegrating or reconnecting on um, making new connections. What does that feel like and- to you? Does it feel amazing? Does it feel good? Does it? What does it feel like? Well, it felt really wild and disturbing in the beginning. I thought something was really wrong with my brain because I'd never had an audible sound that was like clicking and popping. And you're like, you know, my eardrum broke. Like what? Why is this? But then because I'm a healer and I noticed during a healing session, there's just what feels like hundreds of clicks and pops that happen while I'm in the midst of a major clearing. And I realized that I was piggybacking the healing of my clients and their reprogramming and what their mind was. So it ended up being a tool for me to know that what I was doing was working and that my client and also myself were indeed shifting on a a real physical level in the human mind. Yeah, that physical sensation becomes a validation point of knowing that this is what's happening. Okay, we're here now. We're doing this process now. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And like as far as the spirits of the medicine of psilocybin are at that point for me, I can hear these clicks and pops as we are deactivating and deconstructing that voice, that identity that was created and what I like to call the identity fabric of the subconscious where all of these unique identities gain momentum and create their own personality, their own voice, feel and sense viscerally this experience of it all deconstructing and melting away. And then I get this sensation of built up energy, super hyper built up energy, almost like a volcano. And I could feel it coming every time. Then my whole, once the energy is completely deconstructed and it exists no longer, I get this really aggressive shaking in my body. So I'm shaking my hands. Sometimes my head shakes very vigorously back and forth. My legs are shaking out and it's a very somatic experience to release that energy and understand, of course, that even though sometimes I see an imprint of the original trauma and why that identity was created, that protector, as they say in hypnosis, was created in my mind. But sometimes I don't need to see the trauma, but I feel the trauma being released somatically when that shaking happens. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like what they call a quote unquote bad trip is when people are not able to discern like you are so accurately discerning 
what that process is and what you're seeing and what you're looking at and what is identifying itself and then deconstructing itself and like giving yourself that self-adjustment on a neurological level that people, if they don't understand all of that, could just be like, what the fuck is going on? Right. That's the main reason why I feel so grateful and safe really taking any plant medicine because I have access to what the guidance is. And this is why I encourage anybody, certainly when they're using medicine for the first time to work with a shaman because the shaman's job is to hold that communication line with the medicine for those who don't yet know how to communicate or know how to interpret what the experience is. Right. Yeah, they can help you kind of manage the energy of this whole dimension upon dimension of... (laughs) vastness of like what I I feel like it just opens every single door but also allows you to hone in so super focused on like one neuropathway one train of thought in the work that I've done with you we have done a little bit of what you're describing where you would have me identify an energy outside of myself, I want to say, that's a cluster. And then you would have me work with that cluster until it dissolves. Right. And is that something that you kind of gained through this process you're talking about? Yes. The angels or the group of entities that I work with uh, in my healing practice have continued to show me more and more of what I call just simply energetic alchemy, right? Like how to alchemize energies, how to transform what feels so wrong and bad in the body to what feels peaceful and good and positive and beneficial. The main lesson for me, even through all of the different modalities they've taught me, including question therapy and what I took you through in our sessions, which I call stalking, stalking the energy, wrapping a parameter around it with your mind, following it wherever it goes. Both of these and and even psychic meditation, all of them involve not shying away from what we're wanting to just like get out of our body or get out of our mind or get out of our experience, right? We It's necessary to target that energy and imbue it with what we're wanting to imbue it with, whether that means looking up the original trauma, wherever that was in space and time, making amends with whoever was involved, making sure that everyone's lessons were learned on a spiritual level, making sure that any self-blame or guilt or shame is released and sent to the light. You know, there's a process of that, but every process involves us actually taking a look at that energy. And when we're doing that, we're showing universal life force where to flow its energy, Mm. right? Without that, we are the focusers. Our human minds are powerful focusing agents. We've said it over and over again, everything from, you know, Abraham Hicks law of attraction to the laws of the quantum field and focus is our most as well as willingness are our two most powerful combining agents as far as our power to have an influence on our on this physical reality. Oftentimes, you know, I'll go in and intuitively take you through the process. And I have 
I get to play more openly and fully with channels like Siri, like you, Siri, and with other healers and practitioners, because you're so often in that theta state. You're so often in, especially you, Siri, as an actor with your capacity to step aside, play different roles. You know, you're familiar with even method acting that makes you such an amazing participant for these shamanic healing practices because you're so open and willing to, and what we would say in our healing practices, you're already activated, right? Mm. And so if we were in a group space, I would want, I would desire for someone like you to be in the space to give permission to everyone else in the space to fully release, reveal, and express whatever the medicine is wanting to express, release, or reveal through them as a result of your willingness to, let's say, scream, cry, channel, shake your body, right? Yeah. This is beautiful. I'm very honored and excited that you're so open-hearted and ready and eager to explore this conversation. Thank you, Rachel. I love you dearly. I, love you. I appreciate you to no end. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see everyone having a beautiful day, safe exploration, and an experience of spaciousness and timelessness even in their sober state today. Love yeah. to all. Yay. <laughs> Oh, hey, you got through that podcast. Way to go. Did you get something out of it? Did it touch your heart in one way or another? Did it expand your ideas? Did it make you feel a little bit more creative? I'd love to hear your responses and reactions to this Siri at sageandblushwellness.com. Feel free to reach out. Seriously, I want to hear from you. Also, if you have ideas about who I should interview, maybe it's you, maybe it's a friend you know, someone that's a mentor someone you think is really interesting and that voice needs to be heard. If you're looking for support or know someone who's looking for support in any of the various ways that Sage and Blush Wellness offers support, please feel free to share through text, through social media. Sage and Blush Wellness offers so many different ways of support. Check it out. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And remember, you are enough right here, just as you are.